0: Christy Bilbrey. Right after college, I started my career in a Senate press office and then the White House. For the next seven years, I worked in corporate marketing before starting my own business. As soon as I did, the one thing I realized that none of those experiences taught me was how to market myself. Promoting yourself can mess with your head. Discovering brand storytelling and learning how to put it to work in my messaging saved my business. Once I learned this, I started teaching other business owners how to put it to work in their business as well. I created the Business That Story Built podcast to help strengthen the stories we tell ourselves and the stories we tell others. Audiences crave the human side of businesses. They want to get to know you, follow you and interact with you outside of the buying experience. This can be intimidating to say the least. If you're ready to take your mindset and your messaging to the next level, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Thank you so much for joining today. You are really going to like today's episode. I discovered Stu Heineke on a conference that he was at recently, and he spoke, and it was a sales conference. We're in the middle of a sales series. And he has some really unique concepts that I think could make some major shifts to the way that you view sales and outreach. And um, well, I won't I won't give a whole lot away here. But let me just tell you a little bit about him. He is a best-selling business author, marketer, and Wall Street Journal cartoonist. His first book, How to Get a Meeting with Anyone, introduced the concept of contact marketing and was named one of the top sixty-four sales books of all time. His latest release, How to Grow Your Business Like a Weed, lays out a complete model for explosive business growth based on the strategies, attributes, and tools that weeds use to grow, expand, dominate, and defend their turf. He is twice-nominated Hall of Fame marketer, NASDAQ Entrepreneurial Center author-in-residence, and was named the father of contact marketing by the American Marketing Association. He is currently teaming with the NASDAQ Center to launch the Total Weed Award to recognize weed-like growth and audacity among various categories of entrepreneurial ventures. Stu Heineke lives on the beautiful island of Puget Sound, excuse me, Puget Sound, Washington. So thank you so much for joining today, Stu. We're so excited to have you.
1: Thank you so much for having me. And as you can tell, I just have a pretty typical career arc. <laughs>
0: yeah. You are definitely the first cartoonist and my goodness all of these accolades um it sounds like you have just had a ton of fun and just dived in with passion to a lot of things. I'm so excited to uncover a little bit of that today.
1: Well, and, and I'm excited to talk to you also because you turn stories into unfair advantages and that's that's kind of like that sort of really fits into weed strategy for growth and for just uh, just for well, you're talking about sales right now. Great stories help people sell. so i'm I'm really excited to to merge our thoughts here,
0: yeah. And you know, Stu and I were talking a little bit before beforehand, and we were chatting about just uh, the audience, You know, I was telling that I have a lot of women, a lot of women business owners who are very talented, very passionate about what they do. But the sales piece can be a bit intimidating. And he said, you know, I know we're really scheduled to kind of talk about, my latest book about weed growth, but there's a lot of tie-ins with his first book, How to Get a Meeting with Anyone. And so this is going to be a little bit of a free-flowing conversation. I'm really excited to see where it goes. And I know that you will all get a ton out of that. So do you feel like we should start maybe with the first book? Does that set the scene sure, more? You start,
1: okay. start wherever you want. Yeah.
0: Okay. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I mean, just in terms of, tell me a little bit, since since I didn't have as much of that in advance. A little bit of what is what is that book about? What um, prompted you to write that book?
1: Sure, well, it's called "How to Get a Meeting with Anyone." It's kind of a nice, you know, boring and <laughs> and <laughs> tame title. Um, and wait, here's where it comes from. I, I'm a cartoonist. You mentioned that I've been using cartoons my whole career in in um, in marketing campaigns that I've created for a lot of clients. And when I first started out, I, I really wanted to reach and. Actually, what I really wanted to do was I wanted to just work with the entire magazine publishing industry to create direct mail campaigns that used cartoons with personalization as the as the hook into the piece. And you may have seen, I don't know whether you've seen those or not, but um, when I started out, like nobody, everybody said, no, you can't use humor and in, in direct marketing and all, all these silly things. Hmm. And I'm saying, no, cartoons are the best read and remembered parts of magazines and newspapers. Yeah, they, they're going to work for you so um um so i just very early on i ended up sending this well i I created these two campaigns one for rolling stone one for bon appetito was like i don't know can well now i'm I'm putting i'm being put to the test i'm saying come on guys this will work this these personalized cartoons will work and so well i mean what do you think happened do you any 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 expectation of my first two assignments. And it's for of Rolling Stone and Bon Appetit. What's that?
0: Of the outcome or their response? Yeah, of
1: the outcome of the campaigns. Their test campaigns. They went up against their controls.
0: Okay. Well, I'm assuming they were they were hits.
1: No, they were done. No, <laughs> they were I wouldn't done. be telling you if they were done. So I... <laughs> but yeah, they, they both set new records for response. And I, I wow. thought, okay, wow. Well, okay, this this is my ticket to get into the rest of the publishing industry. Well, what that meant was... I needed to reach about two dozen let's say VPs of either consumer marketing or circulation at the big Manhattan-based print media company so Time Inc Time Warner um Conde Nast The Wall Street Journal Forbes Etc but about 20 24 people that was about it and um and so I put together this little campaign and I you know I it was a little eight by 10 print of a cartoon about each recipient and a note that said, Hey, this is the device I just used to beat the controls for Rolling Stone and Bon Appetit. In other words, to set new records for response. And I think we should put this to the test for your titles. That was all I said. And so it's very short copy. Yeah. F- fortunately, a lot of people make mistakes with a long copy, but this was short copy. And it got right to the point. And. Well, I won't keep asking those questions, but I got a hundred percent. I got through to all of them Wow! and all of them agreed to meet and all of them became clients. So from a campaign that I sent to 24 people that cost me about a hundred dollars, I ended up penetrating the entire magazine publishing industry.
0: Unbelievable. (laughs) So
1: (laughs) that's, that was my first example. And I didn't, by the way, I didn't know what to call that campaign. I'd never like, I don't know. I hadn't heard of anyone doing it quite like that. So I just, I got to call it something. I called it a contact campaign and that stuck. So that was my first, um, my first just, you know, experience with, with contact marketing. Also another term I needed to come up with. So that's, that's named in, in how to get a meeting with anyone. And, and the, the way that I ended up writing the book then was that I just thought, well, okay, first of all who can I reach with these cartoons? Who else can I, like, how far right. can this go?
0: Yeah, And I ended up
1: reaching presidents and prime ministers and celebrities and lots of sea level folks. And, um, and then I started hearing stories about what everyone else was doing. And that's when everything, like when, when the, just the sky opened up and it's like, wow, what a subject this is because, gee, doesn't it make sense? We all need to, if we don't, if we can't get meetings, certainly we can't sell if we can't get meetings, right. but- if we can't get meetings with people, we can't do anything in life. Everything that we do in life is about connecting with other people. So Absolutely. if you can't get meetings, you're stuck. But if you can get a meeting with anyone, man, that's that's a superpower. I mean that's that's just fantastic. And some people some of the people that I've interviewed and and featured in and how to get a meeting with anyone and then a later book get the meeting, they're just stunning. The the campaigns that they've done, I mean it's it's not unusual for a campaign to get actually I shouldn't it is unusual, but it's not unusual to hear stories of campaigns that have reached 100%. And in fact, 100% response rate. And in fact, uh, there's one that that got over 300% response rate, which means three times as many people that were it, part of the outreach responded to the campaign. So well, really crazy things happen with these campaigns.
0: Yeah. And, and so let's back up a little bit. So after you had Um, Well, I guess, first of all, with Rolling Stone and Bon Appetit, you already had, you are already set up with them. So I guess in terms of, you know, when I think of um, what might prevent someone from making that, uh, that initial outreach, um, was there anything that, you know, what was your mindset? Was there anything going through your head about, okay, these are big, these are big names. I'm going to go for it. You know, or was there any kind of hesitation, or what was that thought process like? In There was in the zero journey?
1: hesitation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not really, it won't make sense because we're doing an interview, but I'm not really an extrovert. Um, and and uh, as a kid, I was rather shy, so I don't know why I had zero. I do know why actually that I had zero, um, uh, zero just hesitation. And it's really just because I had a great idea, I knew it was going to work. And I just believed in it. And it's like, I just got to tell these people about it. And the reason I knew about it was because I was already very passionate about cartooning. I, my, my education was in marketing, but really passionate about cartooning. And I, and I had joined the Cartoonist Guild, and they sent an article from, uh, from Folio magazine that talked about... Just what the results were from editorial readership surveys. So these were these have been conducted forever um, okay. by by magazines and newspapers. And they're trying to figure out what gets read and remembered. And what they discovered is that cartoons are almost always the best read and remembered part of anything they're in editorially. And so I thought I got to tell these people about this. They just they need to know about it and we need to put it to the test. And that was that was my mindset
0: and then you were able to find the contacts and like you said you kept the copy short to the point and just in terms of you know thinking through even that process thinking what are they going to care about not what do they need to hear that's great about me but like what are they going to care about to say yes and
1: yeah i mean well, the, I, I knew they were always testing new campaigns and um I, I knew quite a bit about it already and that they were mm-hmm. they were paying a lot of a lot of money to the creatives that would produce those things, and and they needed new ideas. And so, you know, uh, back then they were sending fake checks, you know, stuff on safety paper through a window. Yeah. Those kinds, all it was all very deceptive stuff. And and I I was saying to them, look, you know, I, I just I think you need to put this to the test because um, cartoons, we already know what cartoons do, and mm-hmm. and so let's put them on your mail. Let's let's find out what happens on or in your mailings. And and there was a there was a lot of trial and error. I was actually was quite fortunate that the first two, really that the first two clients said, okay, what do you think we should do? And I and I created it, as opposed to other clients that came in and said, okay, that'd be great, but look, can we get our um, logo somewhere into the cartoon or right? And those things we discovered later, those things kill the campaigns. So it had to be about the recipient. Mm-hmm. And when it was, it was it was just producing magic.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. So then how? Um, you know, in your book, how do you talk about kind of translating that to other people, other industries and, and what does that look like?
1: Um, so you're talking about the meeting book, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, um, some, well, I just, again, I just had a blast interviewing people that were doing very interesting things to get meetings. Um, Dan Waldschmidt is a turnaround specialist and a, 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 he's also a, one of the top sales bloggers and, um and he's he's an ultra competitive athlete. He runs hundred mile races and wins. Like I would run a wow. hundred, I wouldn't get through it. I'd be happy get through
0: five k. I
1: think <laughs> it's amazing to do this, right? Yeah. So, but he's got this sort of knife's edge, edgy competitive, or I, I should say, knife's edge, because he writes edgy conversations. That's his blog, um, and ultra competitiveness aspects to his personal brand and. So these all combined well when he's reaching out to the CEOs, because again, he's a turnaround specialist. So he's reaching out to the CEOs of companies that are in trouble. And you can't buy a list of people like that or of companies like that. You have to watch. And Mm -hmm. and essentially when there's an article about it, or really when there's a missed earnings estimate announcement, Mm -hmm. that's the trigger. And then Dan goes to work and he gets a sword made by the prop maker who made all the swords for the movie Gladiator, the beautiful swords. (laughs) Wow! So he gets a sword made and it costs him a thousand dollars every time he does does this. It's crazy. It, well, it's not crazy actually, but it sounds Smart. crazy. Um, and so it has the sword that has the CEO's name engraved in the on the blade of the sword. Luckily, unfortunately, they're, they're not they're not sharpened. They're not you <laughs> know not a hazard, and they're put into this beautiful wooden box, felt lined, and just beautiful with a handwritten note. And handwritten notes have shown up a lot in these campaigns as being mm. very effective uh, elements of it because i'm just more authentic. I don't know somebody yeah. sat down and wrote this and they they had this sword made. So yeah, how are you going to
0: not respond to someone? I have to, to pay
1: attention. Right? So so and the sword. I'd rather the the note says, for example, if he was sending it to, he'd be saying, dear Christy, look. Business is war, and I noticed you last, lost a battle recently. I just wanted to let you know, if you ever need a few extra hands in battle, we've got your back. He's ready mm. to go in, into battle at your side, ready to swing a sword right there with you to win the war. And wow. and it's a great metaphor. That's what it is. It's a visual metaphor. It's not really a gift. It's a visual metaphor that immediately um, communicates the value that, that Dan proposes to bring to the fight. And just to recognize, just to frame it as a fight and as a war, we got to win this war and I want to help you. And I'm I'm gonna ask you, what do you think he gets for a response rate?
0: Uh, he probably gets everybody responding.
1: Everybody, a hundred percent response. Isn't that amazing? So again, he he spends a thousand dollars every time he does it, but he gets through to everyone. Not everyone becomes a client. That's okay, because when he does this, these turnaround um assignments are worth a million dollars and up so there there's a lot of money behind it. and so then it makes sense to spend a thousand dollars. But I'm going to pardon me for leaving the picture for just a moment or turning my back, but I want to show you um one of my favorite one of my favorite visual metaphor devices is this thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but I might have just thought, oh, I, he spilled his coffee in the background, <laughs> but I didn't. it's this is actually something that. Um, it's made by fake food. There's a, there's a whole industry here. And we'll
0: tell for the people who are only listening to audio, so he was holding yeah, up so, a coffee cup that it looks like coffee spilled out and it's it's kind of like frozen there, but it looks like it's just it's, laying there spilled. It's out.
1: ultra realistic. And if you put this on your desk, someone will be absolutely convinced, oh, no, you just spilled your coffee. <laughs> so, um, but that's a great, so, you know, it's a great visual metaphor. And I, I'm showing you that that one of my clients had this made up and he he works for I, our insurance office of america and this is actually a drop off device hmm. or you can send it in a box a beautiful box really cool box and 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 what a great metaphor for let's say i don't know loss or pr- loss prevention or because if you spill your coffee it's done, you're not going to drink it right you have it's to go gone. get another one so it's a great visual metaphor for loss or risk mitigation um but it's also a great metaphor for saying, "Hey, I I, I want to help you with that. I think there I think there's some spillage in your business that I want to mm-hmm. talk to you about. Why don't we talk over a cup of coffee?" And so it's also a great theme setter for that. And I think it just makes this stuff a lot more fun. Yeah. Um, if you're willing to, how do I put this? I mean, you don't have to be a cartoonist to do this. I'm a cartoonist, so obviously I'm going to send cartoons. But um, and Dan isn't Dan isn't a sword maker or a sword <laughs> fighter, but but he's a great, great business thinker, and 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 definitely thinks out of the box. We just have to get a little, have fun with this,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and send things or do things that cause people to say, "Wow, wait a minute, that's really cool." Now, I, I couldn't possibly recite what's all of what's in the book, so I, I suggest right. <laughs> if you find this interesting, to read the book, and and I just know I've heard from people all over the world that it changed their careers and actually has resulted in some businesses being launched because of the book. So it's a good book to have if you're if you're intimidated by the sales process.
0: Yeah, it kind yeah. of flips it on its head to have a little bit of fun with it, think outside and you know in terms of translating it to just this online world and I know so many people connect on LinkedIn and doing outreach through there. So is is the message more uh to reconnect with direct marketing and sending actual things or do you feel like this also applies if you're just reaching out on the internet through what you know whatever means
1: i would strongly suggest mixing it up Mm -hmm. do all of one thing um don't put all of let's say all of your eggs in that one basket of doing just one thing so um and so I I connect with people on LinkedIn all the time as well um but you'll know that you'll notice that if someone asks you to connect for example or when you ask them to connect um and they connect that's that's great but that's kind of like I think it's the equivalent of waving hello on the, on the freeway <laughs> you know like yeah. heading in opposite directions and very quickly it's forgotten so you have to do a lot more than that um and so I, at the very least connecting just through a DM I think is nice being able to ask them to do an interview is nice right I mean obviously this is a great way to connect with people and and to um to bond over over an hour or half an hour's worth of of conversation so you certainly need to do more to stand out more and the one thing that is probably everyone knows well no I don't know not this is obvious not everyone knows this don't pitch because if you pitch you haven't earned the right to do that yet. So, and when someone connects, they say, okay, I'd like to connect with you. And they pitch, I just get rid of them. I'm just mm-hmm. like, I'm not going to deal with that. Mm-hmm. We haven't, we don't have that relationship yet. I don't know who you are. And just very randomly, you're just, you're just throwing stuff and see what sticks to the wall. And I'm not going to be one of those things that sticks to the wall. I don't, my time is more valuable than that. And and so pitching immediately is not a good idea. But I will say, um, I, we need to jump to weeds a little bit Um <laughs> And I'm gonna jump way to the end of the sort of the end of the story here to say that I'm i I'm applying weed strategy to my business and to my book, and amazing things are happening. And one of the things that that they that they I think that they, if they could speak to us, they can't, but they they certainly communicate through their actions mm-hmm. that we should do is we should collaborate. We should collaborate a lot. And so I've been finding that when I reach out to I, I these are people that I some most of them are people I know, but they're like really prominent. Uh, authors, for example, or, or thought leaders, and I'm reaching out and I'm saying, not, hey, I want to. I, I don't reach out to say I want to sell you something, but what I'm saying, hey, I want to talk to you about a collaboration. Mm-hmm. Um, that seems to be a magic word, and and collaboration is a huge part of using weed strategy in your business to to cause it to grow.
0: Yeah, let's jump into that. So so tell tell a little bit about just the premise of of that book and what is weed yeah. strategy. What does that have to do with the business?
1: Yeah, well, I'm sorry I'm gonna whip out another story here, but yeah, <laughs> well, please. this is the right podcast to do it. Yeah. So um, I was driving down the Santa Monica freeway many, many years ago. And um, and so that's you know, six lanes going one way, six lanes coming the other way. I and used to live there, I'm foot, very
0: familiar. <laughs>
1: it's a big freeway, <laughs> and 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 then a 40 foot wide median, something like that. It's, it's all concrete. Um, most of it is rushing tires and and it's no place for a plant to live, but you know there's a crack in the concrete that there always is cracks in concrete and there's a dandelion growing growing out of the crack in the concrete in the media. and then as i whizz by all kinds of things happened because for one thing i'm thinking you know for, we've seen this a million times we all see it dandelions That's- and other weeds are growing out of cracks in concrete everywhere and and so on the one hand you could have just, i could have just noticed it. It's like oh oh yeah or not even noticed it just drive by um but this one i noticed and and it's that Wow. Hold on a second. How did it get there? Well, we know how it gets there. We, weeds are certainly dandelions. They have those seeds that just fly around. They just probe every possible opportunity to take root. And isn't that a great already? Isn't that a great description of an entrepreneur or what an entrepreneur should be doing? We need to be probing every possible opportunity to take root. And and uh, certainly being aware of uh, aware of them, but that's what they do. That those seeds fly around, and they do that, and it's very efficient. And as a result, they end up taking taking territory that no other plant could even reach. I mean, there are no dan- or I should say there are no apple trees growing out of the crack in the concrete or. True. I don't know petunias or most plants. They're not growing out of cracks in <laughs> concrete, but but the weeds do. And so I, I was just wondering, well, what is it that makes weeds so special? Actually, how is it that they pull this off when other plants, most plants, can't? And so do they have a model? And if they have this unified model, is it something that we could apply to our businesses? And what I discovered is they do have a model. There's something that they all follow. Our format that they all follow, and. I think it's not only applicable to business. I think it's the theory of everything about growing anything.
0: Okay, well, do share. So that's I think that's
1: about all the time we have. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But yeah. um, should I tell you what that is? I, mean, I Please do, please I, do. I should probably shouldn't leave you hanging like, oh, there's a model? Great, what is it? <laughs> oh well. Stay so, tuned
0: next time. Yeah, yeah. Next,
1: next episode. <laughs> so, well, here's what the, they all do the same thing. And they're all over the world. They come in all shapes and sizes, but all of them leverage a fierce mindset and unfair advantages against collective scale. And they do it according to a process that is well-honed, obviously, millions of years old in their case, but also a living process that's ready to adapt to challenges at a moment's notice, and in their case, that that process is just programmed into their DNA. So they they all just run the same process, like a computer runs a program. Mm-hmm. That's what they do, and there there's a lot to unpack in that. But um, but that's that's the model, and and um, I mean, like for one thing, you might be saying mindset wait a minute, how could weeds have a mindset? They don't have brains, so how can they have a mindset? And that's true, but if you watch their actions, it's quite evident what their mindset is. They're aggressive and urgent and resilient and adaptive and even optimistic. And I would say even, there's one that I I left out in the book. I've I've really left it out in that one section that really they're also natural collaborators. I mentioned that just a moment ago. They're natural collaborators. They don't do anything alone. You know, if you notice a dandelion in your lawn, and, and if, you, if you just noticed one, and if, if that's the only one that was there, it wouldn't be much of a factor. It would be no problem to pull it out, and you're done. But look up, and you'll see dozens, if not hundreds of them out there, and that's what gives them their power. They're all, they're just natural collaborators. And so, yeah, that—that that is their mindset, and it's pretty crazy. But they—they, I think their their message to us, again, if they could speak to us, would be, we notice that you have emotions and these emotions get in your way all the time. Yes. You always, right. We, we let our actions run our, our lives. And, you know, we do, we know that there are things that we want to do or should do, but if we don't feel like doing them, we don't do it. Or if we've been disappointed, then Mm -hmm. from that point on, we're focused. We're just, you know, just fixated on the disappointment as opposed to what do we do to get going? And, and so there, I think the weeds would tell us you let your, 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 uh, your emotions lead your actions. And we would suggest you reverse that. We don't have emotions. We just act. Yes. And obviously it works for us. So let your actions lead your emotions instead. And I'm going to tell you just things like that takes the form of, let's say, working out in the morning, even though you might not feel like it. And we're all familiar with that. With that, <laughs> that I don't know that, that conflict within. And, and when you do that, if you get up and you work out in the morning, as opposed to, Let's say, not working out loud. maybe I'll do it later. I don't feel like doing it. I don't feel like getting up yet. I'm going to read my phone. I don't know. Get up and do it and yeah. and you will be amazed at what happens as a result of just to your your outlook that that day. It's just you just feel it just feels great. so leading leading your 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 uh, emotions with your actions is is just it's it's an amazing thing to do, and it it creates a very different mindset. Um, And I I guess to sort of rephrase, I'm I'm giving a much longer answer than I should really. But anyway, to rephrase (laughs) all that, weeds deal with what is. They never do anything without an unfair advantage. They never do anything alone. It's always at scale. And they always focus on what makes them win. In other words, they run a process. And that's how they do it.
0: So, and I do want to get to the unfair advantage in just a minute. But um, so basically you're saying it's, you know, Building a strategy that you know is going to work, and then making it routine where you take the emotion, the the thinking of, do I feel like doing this? Did this work yesterday? And just continuing on, regardless of if you've been disappointed or you're not really in the mood.
1: Yeah, if you have a if you have a a strategy a strategy in mind, and we shouldn't we shouldn't um, pass that by too quickly. But um, but if you have a good strong strategy, uh, but you become discouraged, it's not mm-hmm. going to work. Right. So and you know we're we're heading into uh, what I guess will be a the next recession. They come up. It's like breathing in and out. So mm-hmm. we're heading to the next recession, and so that's it's really you know that's a, that's a real test of mindset because people get scared and they they panic. They pull away from doing the things that they need to do, and the weeds thrive in in disrupted ground. They love disruption like that. And that might be when they thrive best, and mm-hmm. and so. Um, I think it's I think it's that weed strategy again. That if, if we adhere to that weed strategy, um, then we're gonna then we're gonna thrive. And if you thrive yeah. during recessions, that's particularly powerful.
0: Yeah. Finding ways to kind of calm that anxiety or hesitation and just say, well, I know I've seen, what am supposed like, to do?
1: It's more like getting excited, like just yeah. God, let's go. Let's do this. Yeah. This is gonna be a blast. I I think that's more like what it is, but certainly, you know, if you have anxiety, do you want to, it would be good to replace it with excitement.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes. And then talking about the unfair advantage. So when you, you know, you talk about weeds have an unfair advantage. Is that just because they're because they are aggressive, they are resilient. Um, what, what can people do? Do you feel like to build more of an unfair advantage in their business?
1: Well, so in the book and how to grow your business like a weed, there's there's actually a whole weeds model for for building or cultivating unfair advantages. Um, so there are these eight levels of of strategy that um, that you will address in your in your business. So seed strategy, for example, seeds are analogous to anything that causes people to become aware of you and form the intent to transact with you. Does that sound familiar? Stories. Mm-hmm. Certainly, and brand certainly does that. Brand is is a seed and, and 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 stories are part of seed strategy and designs and um and so on. So that and then seed pod strategies about about borrowing the the network of others to said spread those seeds. Well, I'm doing this is my part of my seed pod strategy right now. I'm reaching your audience. Thank you. Thank you. By the way, um, I'm reaching your audience, but I'm, I'm also giving you something in, in return, I'm giving you content. And um, we both, we both benefit from this, but this is a way to spread that message around. And Mm -hmm. so it goes all the way down through, through thorn strategy and segmentation and Mm -hmm. uh, rosette and root and, um, vine and and soil strategies. So all of these are different levels of strategy that you need to activate in your business. And when you do that, crazy things happen. I, I mean, I've got some amazing, amazing things happening because of collaborations um, right now. Just because I'm using, I, I'm I went to work using weeds or weed strategy immediately on my business. I have this agency. I, re, I help sales teams break through. Um, and then also on growing my book, and it's really interesting to see what's happening, let's say using traditional means versus using weed strategy. It's just stunning what's happening and the I mean the different one example
0: the, like a story you can share well,
1: like you know the the book um so when this guy when this launched um, I did the usual thing What? because the publisher wants you to like, you know, let's hire a publicist and let's, you'll be one of the the publicist. Publicist will be one of, let's say 6,000 publicists that are pushing books (laughs) that month um, to the press. And it's really hard to break through. It's a very crowded channel. And, and so um, I, I, I'm not very, I don't know. I'm not terribly uh, pleased with the outcome of, of that of, well, I don't know. I shouldn't even say that. I'm not surprised. I'll put it that way. It's okay. just we're going through a crowded channel. So we're getting the kind of results that you get from crowded channels, which is um, um, the outcome will be rather disappointing mm. or underwhelming. And so, for example, none of the business press, you know, CNBC and and Fox Business and and Forbes and Inc. and so on, um, they didn't pick up on the story. So, okay. But now applying weed strategy um, and, and creating, um, collaborations. Well, one of the things I mentioned in the book is that I'm going to launch a new award, which is also a seed strategy, by the way, but an award, a new award called the Total Weed Award. And, um, so, you know, if it's, it's an annual award, of course, it just reminds people of the book and and me and the, and weed strategy. So it's part of seed strategy part of the weeds model. And, and so I happen to, um, I, I, I had just the, Greatest thing, the greatest outcome when I asked um, Nicola Karzine, the executive director of the NASDAQ Entrepreneurial Center, to write the foreword for the book, and she said yes, and we're going, oh my God, wow, (laughs) thank you, Nicola. So... I mean, it's such an honor to have her in the book. And so after the book came out, I said, Nicola, you know, I have this award that I mentioned in the book and I need to launch it. And so what I was wondering is, could we collaborate? Could, let's say the NASDAQ Entrepreneurial Center become the home of the Total Lead Award? And she said, yeah, oh my God, I love this idea. yeah, this would be great. And I said, you know, we could sell sponsorship um and i don't need the sponsorship money that should all go to the center why don't we turn this into a fundraiser for the center wow. you would do that yeah of course i would do that it would be great it would be my honor to do that and so this wonderful collaboration evolved from that and one of our first steps is to get um to get a media partner involved so we're talking about those same outlets cnbc and and Maybe Fox Business News, or or Forbes, or the Wall Street Journal, all the ones that ignored the launch the first time. Well, all of them have; they all have relationships with Nasdaq, obviously, huh? and and they all have. I, I think most of them have media partnerships with them as well. I know CNBC does. So now here's Nasdaq approaching them, saying, "We want, we would like you to be a media partner in this award." This annual award and <laughs> and it's called the total weed award this is what it's about and uh it's based on this book and then i know they're going to be saying hey hey what's wait what's the name of that book? where does this come from again if hey, we covered this book no no you've not pub- you've not covered this book yet so all of a sudden the book now comes through a much like a not a crowded channel at all it's coming mm-hmm. from nasdaq to their attention and they're being asked to partner on this so i think in a way well, first of all, all of the we're going to approach all those outlets. All of them now will learn or relearn about the book through NASDAQ. Yeah, that's a big unfair advantage, isn't it?
0: Absolutely.
1: And and so and, and then one of them is going to become a, a media partner. So in the award, so I guess by extension, they're going to become a media partner in the book, and that's great. So those are totally unfair advantages, and they it. came from a collaboration. So that's what I'm talking about. Those kinds of things I don't think I would have done that without the weeds book.
0: Yeah, so even if and and I think that's a really good point, even if you feel like okay, the people I really want to get to maybe feel like I don't know how that's going to work, how I'm going to be able to connect with them, but you kind of look to who do they collaborate with? I should show that them you this. could. Yeah. You're
1: thinking that. Get yeah. the book. <laughs>
0: And yeah. and so it's it's like okay well who do I have access to who might have access to them how can I collaborate with them and so that well, just kind of gives another another if, approach I think
1: it's also um, I think you develop the I think you develop your your uh, like if it's a chicken and egg kind of question and I think it is you develop these unfair advantages first you need those no one has any business being in business without them. And we have them, so so I think the first step is: what are your unfair advantages? And and by that I don't mean because I ask business owners this a lot in roundtables and so forth, and they don't know what they are yet; they they haven't thought about them. Uh, they should, but it's just: what are these advantages? These competitive advantages that um, that put you in the market very differently than, let's say, all of your competitors to, uh, do. And what are they? Because and and by unfair, what I mean is. That's how I want your competitors describing these. I don't know if they'd even, I don't actually, I don't even know. I just want them to say, wow, that's incredible. I mean, I'd like, I guess other authors are my competitors in, in a sense, but the wonderful thing about, about that whole scene is that when we actually, we get together, we do masterminds together. We, we share ideas. We, 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 we promote and, and, and support each other. And, um, and one of the authors just got a, a role in a in a new um a new reality show on Hulu. I think it's it's gonna be new maybe Hulu and Netflix. I don't know, some two places, and I can't remember where else, but so she is gonna be the sales expert, and all of us are thrilled for her. But you got to think also, that's kind of that's quite an unfair advantage. Yeah. Because yeah. she's gonna be on television now as a sales expert. That's a great unfair advantage. And I think ultimately maybe it doesn't cause. Envy so much as admiration or appreciation, mm-hmm. and and it's also interesting that that I guess maybe through weeds I don't see competitors as competitors, I see them as as potential um, collaborators. And in yeah. fact, some we've got there are some incredible collaborations coming together, just in that way. And it's and and we mix together well because we're so similar actually, or we're or we're complementary. But, but I guess in another way or in another realm, we are competitors.
0: Yeah. Well, and back to, back to what you were saying about, you know, meeting with business owners who haven't necessarily thought through their unfair advantage and what, what is something that you, you know, kind of steer or help guide them in discovering what those can be for themselves?
1: Well, I think if they, if they have, for example, any intellectual property, um, that's a big one that, mm-hmm. that differentiates you, but it could be something as simple as a location mm. as a start. Right. But, and and I would say also, who do you have collaborations with? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because those also end up becoming Maybe. unfair advantages. But again, I'm going to reach back into my background a little bit. And so I'm, I didn't start out this way, but I'm now a Wall Street Journal cartoonist. Um, and I have millions of dollars worth of test history behind using personalized c- cartoons. No one in the world has that. I have an image bank of about 1500 cartoons that are all personalized. So they're written to be personalized. So there are data insertion points for first and last name. And, and there is no other image bank like that in the world. Um, and I so I, I'd even, well, I, let's say just those two things. When my, when my cartoon, and I've not been very active with the journal lately, but when they appear in the journal, that is when my, when my journal, when my cartoons appear in the wall street journal, they reach an audience of 2.1 million. So that's a big unfair advantage. That's a great yeah. one. Yeah. no, I'm not suggesting that everyone in the audience has those, but you do have something special about you, something that's unique, some special talent or, or ability that you have maybe, or so, really your stories, I think would also, I mean, let's 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 talk about the common ground here because your story is can become a great unfair advantage and um and and so um start looking for those things start 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 to um to um, become aware of the ones that you have but then also I, the weeds model that again that's an acronym for weed inspired expansion uh, and domination strategies and that's that eight levels of strategy. In other words, seed, seed pot all the way down to root and soil strategies. Use those to cultivate new unfair advantages for yourself and discover the unfair advantages that you have. You know, and I was saying that I, you know, it's interesting because I, I speak to business owners and I ask them, what are your unfair advantages? And they'll tell me things like, well, I give great customer service. We give great customer service that is the opposite of an unfair advantage that's something that everyone can can claim mm-hmm. and it, we we all know i think who uh, larry ellison is the founder of oracle and larry tells his his team don't make any his marketing team i guess but don't make any claims that anyone else can can match so it's it's those kinds of claims so real claims right. but otherwise those kinds it's of noise unfair, advantages that no one else can match that's what you're looking for you need those and then you need to accentuate them and then by extension you need to use them they they're very helpful for creating new collaborations that then become even more uh, unfair advantages
0: yeah yeah definitely it will propagate <laughs> yeah oh i love that do you have any final thoughts on from either book recommendations for my listeners
1: well, I, well I hope that um my stories have helped inspire you um because what I really would like to say is just don't like if you're worried about reaching out to someone to sell um or if any any of these things cause you worry don't worry just have fun it's it's all just it's it's so much more fun it's so much more enjoyable when you have when it's fun. Yeah. That's kind of a word salad. There, (laughs) have fun. (laughs) Have fun in business.
0: It's true. Yeah, you can either choose to enjoy your life or not, and it's going to be better if you choose to enjoy it. So yeah,
1: and just look for the mischief and like, how how can I make this fun? And you can make it a lot of fun.
0: I love it. I love it. Well, I think everyone on who's listening needs to check out both of these books. So the first one was How to Get a Meeting with Anyone. There it is. And. And there it is, if you're watching the video, you can see that. And um, let's see. Yeah, definitely go and and check out that book. And you can also, if you wanna hold up your second book, right. um, How to Grow Your Business Like a Weed, just came out in June, and this is Stu Heineke. And thank you so much for joining. If you want to learn more about him, um, you can connect with him on LinkedIn. And um, you can find his books on Amazon and go to his website, com. Thank you so much.
1: Excellent. Thanks so much for having me.
0: All right. Thanks everyone for joining and we'll see you next week. To succeed in business, you need brand awareness, authority, and trust. To get those, you need visibility. Podcasts offer each of these. It's a unicorn platform because it gives you the scarcest resource in digital marketing, attention. Did you know that 80% of podcast audiences listen to the entire episode and more than 50% consider buying from a brand or individual that they discover on a podcast? Building your own show and audience takes years. Grow faster by guest speaking on other podcasts to get more leads, build your SEO and strengthen your brand. To learn how my agency can help, email me at hello at christybilbury.com.